1: What is up, fantasy fans? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. No, I am not James Coe with a frog in his throat. I'm Marcus Grant. James Coe is under the knife right now. I am joined, of course, as always, by Michael Fabiano, the Hall of Famer, and uh, you're officially the whiz kid from Wisconsin. I guess it's kind of stuck. It's kind of stuck. It's not going anywhere. That's your name now. You don't don't get a choice in in the matter. But uh, our friend James Coe, just moments before we started this podcast, tweeted, that he is going into surgery, wish me luck, good luck james he 's uh, what is it a shoulder rotator shoulder, cuff rotator cuff, so me. hopefully, hopefully he 's back and <laughs> all of uh, this
2: crazy fantasy, <laughs>
1: and, and the slider is just as good as ever by the time he comes back but we 'll miss you, James. we look forward to getting you back in the seat next week in the meantime, we will do our best to hold it down and keep this train on the track. so plenty to talk about in fact, today is going to be pretty much. Almost all rankings all the time. We'll do some other things as well. We've got some of the headlines to get to. We've got uh, some of your Twitter questions, which, by the way, you can always hit us up on Twitter at NFL Fantasy. Of course, you can hit us up individually on Twitter as well. If you can find us, that's that's the game here. Um, but uh, you can always ask us questions there. We'll certainly do our best to get to some of them here on this show. Uh, and uh, But we're going to talk a lot of rankings today. They will be live by the time you listen to this on NFL.com slash fantasy slash rankings. You can see what we think about where certain players should be ranked. You can laugh and point and mock because we know that's what you're going to do anyway. We're ready for it, so come get us. In the meantime... I'm going to say hi hi to the guys behind the glass, by the way. Of course, uh, Sully is back there. Uh, is that B-Mac I see over there in the corner? Brandon? The
3: Irishman. The, the Irishman, Irishman over
1: there. A uh, couple of Irishmen back there, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's Sullivan, last name. That's pretty Irish. There you go. So uh, yeah. we've got uh, Sullivan, we've got B-Mac back there. We've got uh, our man the franchise is uh, holding it down. And our new face here. Uh, you will see plenty of him uh, writing on NFL.com in case you have not followed him in his previous incarnation. Matt Harmon, who uh, just joined our crew earlier this week, so we're glad to have him. We're going to sit here. Or he's going to sit here and watch us do this and hopefully not run away screaming and move back to Virginia maybe point and laugh as well you'll probably point and laugh as in well glass. exactly so uh, we've got a full house here in the studio and uh, got plenty to go on but uh, Sully let's do uh, let's do some headlines here we'll start. With a couple of big wide receiver news pieces, and we'll start down in Dallas. Dez Bryant was tweeting on Monday, his tweet, As much as I love football on my beautiful babies, I apologize, hashtag Cowboy Nation, but I will not be there if no deal, hashtag fact. Now, this isn't the first time Dez has said this sort of thing in the offseason, said that he was willing to sit out some preseason games says he's willing to sit out real games now if the if he and the Cowboys cannot come to a long term deal by the end of Wednesday all right, Fabs you being the resident cowboy guy you having you know a couple Twitter conversations with Des Bryant, how serious should we think
2: he is about this? I think he's very serious. I think he's dug in and this is something that could eventually alter his fantasy value because. If there can't be an agreement reached and Wednesday is the deadline, then we've got an issue on our hands because the big issue is the guaranteed money uh, between the two sides. And if they can't end up agreeing on something within the next, what, 24 to 48 hours, whatever the case may be, uh, we're going to have an issue in terms of how far do you drop Des Bryant in your rankings? Do you drop him at all? based on what we've seen from players who hold out of training camp. We've seen it happen to guys like Larry Johnson and Darrell Revis and Chris Johnson. MJD. Off the top of my head, guys who hold out, they either suffer an injury during the regular season or their numbers drop. Now, Dez is young. He doesn't need training camp. He's got a great rapport with Tony Romo. Um, So I don't know if I'm worried about that so much, but he's one of the best talents in the NFL at the wide receiver position, so I don't know how far you would drop him if we hit training camp and he's not there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he fell somewhere in the beginning of the third round in a 10-team draft, but I can't see him falling any further than that. Remember, uh, there's a precedent for this. Emmett Smith, uh, back in, I believe, was 93, missed the first two games mm-hmm. of the regular season holding out and came back and still had a Dallas fantastic went 0 season, two. right? And uh, the Cowboys uh, went on to do pretty well that year. But Emmett was one of the few players who actually has held out into the regular season and then crushed it in the NFL and then done very well. Yeah, so now I, you have to really keep tabs on what's going on with the right. situation. It's not
3: going to – and if he holds out through camp, this this narrative is not going to end anytime soon, and we're going to have to watch it closely mm-hmm. to know mm-hmm. when he does come back and how he's looking and his health and stuff, because your biggest fear is like he gets like a hamstring or something, and then that dogs him for like a month plus in the season.
1: Right. Now, I mean, I'm looking at – so we did a staff mock draft last week. We put it up on NFL.com on Monday, and looking at that mock draft, Des Bryant goes with the second pick in the second round, which – Seems perfectly reasonable. I imagine that's where he about where he's going to go in plenty of drafts all around the country. Um, I mean, but Fab's mentioned it, Alex. I mean, how far? You know, if let's just say he's not going to be there week one. If we know for a fact that Des Bryant will not be there week one, how far down do you think about taking him at that point?
3: I think you can still you can still grab him as a as a wide receiver one or you know in that top ten area just because as Fab said he's so good and he's so talented one week doesn't scare me it's when you get start getting farther and farther in that I mean like Le'Veon Bell's got a three game suspension and he's still going in the top ten among running backs it'd be the same thing for Des but. It's, it's like I said, it's not going to end anytime soon until ink hits paper on a long term deal for Dez. So we're just going to have to keep our eyes open and, and, then, and watch it. Then you
2: have all this collusion talk, too, between we don't <laughs> need those, to get into that. Cowboys, Demarius Thomas. I know. We've had enough players who are going to be suspended for the first few weeks of the season. So, uh, Let's hope that Des Bryant is isn't someone we have to worry about missing time.
1: Well, real quick, I mean it, it doesn't look as serious, but you mentioned the collusion with De'Marius Thomas and the Broncos and all this stuff going on, and De'Marius right now says there's still a, a pretty big gap between he and the team in terms of getting a long-term deal done. Now, there certainly hasn't been any talk of holding out or anything like that, but any any feeling from either one of you guys that maybe if this thing doesn't go the right way that 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 maybe
2: Demarius decides he wants to, you know, not show up to to Denver at any point? You never know. Uh I mean we saw Marshawn Lynch was it last year who ended up holding out for a part of training camp. I remember that fire yeah, drill. He, he never and then he never plays in training camp. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So uh, I'm not worried about Demarius Thomas. I have him ranked higher than Dez Bryant at, at wide receiver, and I'd have him ranked higher than Dez regardless of the collusion situation or uh, a potential holdout. It sounds to me like he is going to be there when training camp opens, and. That's not the case with Dez right now. So I'm not worried about Demarius. He's a second-round pick.
3: I think Dez has his heels, heels set in a little more yes. than Demarius. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little less worried about Demarius as well.
1: Uh, other news headline, Colin Kaepernick says the 49ers changes are for good. Now, as a 49er fan, I would certainly like to believe that because most of the changes we've seen this offseason have been ungood. Uh, so <laughs> I'm trying to hope that maybe Kaepernick has something. Now, this is kind of unofficially, I guess, kind of turned out to be Colin Kaepernick week. We had our instant debate earlier this week about whether or not we believed he could get back to being a top ten quarterback. The consensus seemed to be no. Uh, as I continue my bust a move series, I am now watching tape of Colin Kaepernick to try to determine whether or not he can bounce back from last season. So, I mean, look, I know as a Niner fan, I am I am certainly pessimistic about what I've seen from my team in the off season. I am trying to, to to keep the good fight going, but. From a fantasy perspective, Alex, when you look at what the Niners have, uh, you know, we know Carlos Hyde is there. We know that Torrey Smith has come in. We know there's a brand-new offensive coordinator. I mean, is is this Colin Kaepernick blowing smoke, or is there something really here? I'm I i uh, I'm seeing a bit of a haze
3: in this story, <laughs> you know, to bring back our smoke screen uh, hype train uh, argument we always have all the time. There there are things to like about this offense, but there are too many question marks for me to start buying into highly. Uh Worried about Tory Smith and with Colin Kaepernick for as mobile as he is, he was like what second most sack second quarterback most sack last behind Blake Bortles. Year. Don't like to hear that. Um, Carlos Hyde can be great, but he's unproven. Is Reginald Bush going to stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is Vernon Davis going to bounce back or is he you know already in the twilight of his career? There are things to like, um, but maybe that's why he said the changes are for good and are not for the better. <laughs> what well, we really
2: need to see from Kaepernick because fantasy and reality are different is a guy who's going to run the football a little bit more and be allowed to roll out of the pocket and use his feet, much like Russell Wilson was allowed to do last year. And we also saw how successful he was both on the field and from a fantasy standpoint. Kaepernick's worked a lot on his accuracy. He's worked with Kurt Warner during the offseason. And we shall see if he's improved in terms of accuracy, in terms of how he throws the ball downfield, he'll have that threat now in Torrey Smith who can take the vertical game uh, to a different level with the Niners. Of course, Michael Crabtree's gone. Uh, Marcus Grant, very happy about that. Now he's with <laughs> the Oakland Raiders. Kaepernick is like an intriguing QB2. He's not a guy that I'm drafting as a QB1. He's somebody I really liked a couple of years ago. You remember yeah, everybody had did. that giant Kaepernick jersey on because he ran with the football. The Niners sort of went away from that. The offensive line was an issue, and now... You know, you lose Mike Potty to the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you lose uh, Davis to retirement. So that is a big question mark, too. As good as Kaepernick can be and as good as uh, he is in terms of his elusiveness, I mean, if he's getting bum-rushed yeah. on a good percentage of his plays, it's going to be hard for him to make plays on the field. You
3: have to wonder if they're going to use him more in the rushing game, too, because I was just thinking about it. remember he only had one rushing touchdown last year. Do you yep. remember what th- that one was? It was the 90-yarder he ripped That's off right. against uh, the Chargers, I believe. And if
2: you remember, he just missed another one. Remember in that game against the Rams where he tried to sneak it in? Then he fumbled. Fumbled the yeah. ball. So if yep. you had Kaepernick that, that game, you lost basically eight points. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, you know, I will say this. with, with About Kaepernick, the one thing, I, I mean, I, I am optimistic about this talk of him improving his accuracy. I wonder about his decision-making. And I said somewhat jokingly when Jim Tonsula took over, the first thing I would have done – is sat Kaepernick down in a chair, clockwork orange style, and made him watch tape of Russell Wilson. <laughs> Just made him watch that until until he couldn't stand anymore, and uh, he and the old droogs decided they were going to go throw the football around.
2: Speaking of Russell Wilson, real quick, uh, I don't want to get off the tracks too much, but have you heard the reviews about Marcus Mariota? And not only his accuracy, but Ken Wisenhunt's desire to use him like Russell Wilson – He's an intriguing guy. No quarterbacks typically don't put up good numbers in their rookie season, but because of his ability to run the football – I think Mariota's going to end up starting being drafted late in most leagues.
1: I mean, I watched Mariota tape, and I thought uh, the thing that I took away from watching his tape is that he reminds me of Alex Smith, you know, in, in, in a Well, good that's way. not a good No, thing. but in a, in a good way, in a way that, you know, he's a very athletic guy. I mean, Smith, obviously. You mean can, sneakily athletic? Right, exactly. <laughs> All those code words there. But he's an athletic guy. He, he's very accurate. He makes very good decisions. Uh, you know, I don't know how much he's going to go downfield with the ball, but, I mean, I, I think there's potential there for Marcus Mariota. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely is. So. That's our headlines. We will, uh, like I said, we have rankings coming up in a little bit, but first, want to get to Twitter questions. Can we, uh, can we open up the mailbag, please, Sully? You've got mail. Awesome. Uh, real quick, <laughs> Jake Bender at Jake LB Namath. He must be a fan of Joe Willie. Yeah. He says, I trade Le'Veon Bell and get Murray, presumably DeMarco, yep. yes. and Peyton Manning.
2: Is this worth it? Fabs, do you make this deal? Trading Le'Veon Bell and getting Murray and Peyton Manning, and this is – I'm assuming, assuming a standard league, a standard seasonal league. Boy, I tell you something. Uh, if this is a team that's that's not it's not a keeper league. OK, that that's that's the one thing that that I, I always worry about with some of these questions. If it's a keeper league, there's no way I'm trading Le'Veon Bell um, in a standard league. Boy, getting Murray and Peyton Manning. That's a lot. That is a lot. And I, I don't love Murray this year, but Bell's already been suspended for three games that, that's something that I would seriously consider. Seriously consider. You're getting a top-five quarterback in fantasy. You're getting the number-one running back in fantasy from last year who projects now to be more of an RB2. If Bell's suspension is decreased upheld or a little or bit, decreased. well, of course, that's going to improve his value. But if he's going to miss three games, I can get Murray and Peyton. Yeah. Seasonal league.
3: I, I like it. That's, I, that's I love that bad at Bell, all. But... When you gotta, you got to look at a trade like this with the value you're getting in, like you said, you're getting a top-five QB, maybe maybe he slips top ten, and a running back who wouldn't surprise me if he finished in the top ten again, but you get a safe bet. You know, his floor is probably still finishing in the top 20. That's fantastic value for one player. That's also going to miss three games right now and a bye week. That's, you know, a third of the fantasy regular season almost.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I feel like this conversation, and obviously this is real life, if Le'Veon Bell wasn't suspended at all, if he was going to be there for week one, I feel like we would be completely different, right? Yeah. Oh, we feel very different about this. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, one more before we get to the ranking. I think Sully's got another drop for us. Oh, here. do you? go? Mailing! Mailing it! Is that from The Office? <laughs> I heard mail it in. No, that's from Van Wilder. Oh, from ah, Van Wilder. There okay. we go. Yeah.
3: It sounded also like a, a high-strung uh, Michael, Michael Scott. Scott for a second. <laughs> it wasn't the clearest, but all right, I got it. It's a good High, one.
1: High-strung Michael Scott. That seems a little redundant. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Ryan Pulaski, RPZ83, asks, What is your opinion on Macklin at the Flex in a dynasty league? Uh, Alex, we'll start with you with this one. <sighs> oh, boy.
3: Um I'm not the biggest fan of Jeremy Macklin this year for a lot of reasons. In the flex in a dynasty league, I mean, I get it depends on the dynasty league. Like ours, we start three wide receivers and a flex, and it's PPR. And in that, in that, we kind don't of, mess around in that kind of situation. <laughs> I don't mind it because he's going to get his catches, but you got to worry about him getting touchdowns or getting downfield. So, uh, as the flex, I guess, I guess I like it. I would, I would prefer to maybe go with somebody that has a little more upside, like one of these rookies or a breakout kind of guy, like a. You know, maybe a John Brown or somebody, Nelson Aguilar, but I don't. I don't mind it.
2: Macklin scares me. He really does. Uh, great year in 2014. Uh, of course, he was in Chip Kelly's offense, which has uh, far superior fantasy potential than the Chiefs uh, from a wide receiver perspective. If you look back at Andy Reid, I've thrown this stat out to you guys before. Uh, in his time during uh, during his time with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, He was not a guy who produced 1,000-yard wide receivers. The most any wide receiver ever had playing in his offense in Philadelphia was Terrell Owens, and that was 1,200 yards. There were more seasons than not when his leading wide receiver in terms of yardage did not hit 1,000 yards. I would not be shocked if Macklin sees uh, a decline down to the 900-yard range, six to eight touchdowns. That puts him in wide wide receiver three territory. Alex Smith is not a good deep ball thrower. Macklin makes a lot of hay throwing the deep ball or catching the deep ball. Um, Even last year with Mark Sanchez uh, and Nick Foles throwing him the ball, he was quite successful. But again, that was in a completely different offense. This Chiefs offense predicated on the run and Jamal Charles. So it's a dynasty league. You can't trade him. Uh, You could, but I don't know that you get much for him in a dynasty league right now. Macklin is a guy who I don't feel comfortable with in a flex unless it's a deeper league and uh, you're kind of starting uh, guys at that level, uh, just like you mentioned with our Dynasty League, where you're going three in a flex. And if it's a PPR league, okay, maybe there's a little more appeal there. But overall, I don't see Macklin repeating what he did last year.
1: Hey, I don't know if you guys heard this, but. The Chiefs didn't have a receiver who caught a touchdown pass Wait, what? last year. I know, right? Shocking. Um, like I, I think I feel like if I have Jeremy Macklin at a flex spot in my dynasty league, that he is basically a seat filler uh, until like <laughs> I mean until I can find something else. You know, Alex mentioned getting somebody like Nelson Aguilar or. You know, one of the rookies coming in. You know, one of the you know the non-Kevin White, Amari Cooper rookies coming in that maybe you can get and plug in that spot. Even maybe a Devontae Adams, just somebody younger that I'd feel a little more confident plugging into that spot. I don't know that Macklin is terrible. I do think that the Chiefs will have a wide receiver catch a touchdown pass this year. It was too much of an anomaly yeah. to happen two years in a row. Right. But I am of the opinion that it it just seems a little counterproductive to have a speedy deep threat wide receiver with a quarterback who doesn't throw the ball more than seven yards down the
2: field. yeah i mean macklin won't be terrible no I, I mean no but i mean he had 1300 yards and 10 touchdowns last year that's not going to happen in kansas city no not at all going to happen so thank again for your emails and your tweets
1: you can tweet us as i mentioned at nfl fantasy by the way I've been uh, bereft in mentioning the fact you can, of course, find us at NFL.com slash fantasy. You can go and sign up for NFL.com free fantasy football, free 99. That is the best price of all. Come find us there. You can also find us at NFL.com slash draft kit. We have all sorts of news and information and goodies and opinion and stuff. And you can uh the
2: Draft kit is for, also a
3: place you can find rankings. You can find rankings. Look at that. Segway. Segway. That's what uh, was called right. It.
2: Speaking of ranking, so I'm going to completely go off the train tracks here. (laughs) Oh, great. Um, Last night, I ranked my top five superhero movies of all time on Twitter, and I was having a great conversation with the people out there with the tweets. I went Dark Knight 1, Avengers 2, uh, I had Iron Man 3. Not Iron Man three, but thank you. The original Iron Man because the second, and third one sucked. Uh, and then uh, Superman, uh, Batman with Jack Nicholson four, and then Superman the movie five. Really? So what about those have, like,
1: rankings? You didn't have like Batman and Robin or uh, Bat- no, Batman? No, no, that was for- terrible. Batman forever. forever. Terrible. <laughs> I didn't.
2: And, and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy just missed. And I think one of the more underrated superhero movies of the last ten years, Captain America, uh, the Winter Soldier, which is better than the last two Iron Man movies. And I would say right on par with the last wait, Avengers did, movie. I'm, did, did, wait, did Guardians of the Galaxy make it in your top five? It said it just Ten. Missed. Just missed. Top ten. Okay. I love that movie. That yeah, was, was great. great. Yeah. So I, I do have – I know you guys – I don't know anything about Ant-Man, and I know Alex is already down on it. I don't know if it's – No, no, no. And Alex know? is okay. I'm the one know, who's you're down, you're on, down it. on it. Alex you're is down optimistic on it. about it. Now, what about this – I don't know if I say optimistic, but I'm going to go see it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, now, I admittedly don't know much about Suicide Squad, but it seems pretty cool. Is Joker in the Suicide Squad, or is he not? No. no. They it's are... his daughter? Is that what it is? Harley Quinn's like... Harley Quinn's kind of his assistant, okay. sort of. And that, that's, that's Margot Robbie? Is that who's going to be in? Yes. It?
3: Oh, oh, I, I see what done. this was. I'm, this was all sweetest I'm going for see you to that. oh, like... Margot Robbie. <laughs> <So is laughs> I that saw like, right through your plan. Is yes. that
2: like that, is that huge in the comic book world, the, the Suicide Squad? Not
1: huge, but it's got a following. It's, it's follow a thing. It. Is it? It's a thing.
2: So <laughs> is it going to do better or worse than Guardians of the Galaxy?
1: Worse, worse. Guardians of the Galaxy was ginormous. had a lot of money.
3: Was ginormous. It's not to say it won't do well, but but it won't. It won't. See,
2: ranking anything is just fun. Ranking superhero <laughs> movies, ranking hot chicks, ranking fantasy players, uh, you know, ranking the best Yankee teams of all time. Well, maybe that would I have to TV. say that. that. That seems like it's love, just a lot of fun. That seems to
3: have a very I love how scope I had this there. smooth segue into the next part of the podcast, and, and we Fab's just is like, hold up, completely off topic. Well, it's you know what? Because <laughs> I, I,
2: we talk fantasy football, I think we'd like to have some fun on the show. We're all admitted dorks on, on the show here, and uh, well, I'm speaking for you. This is guys, this is but
1: the SS Minnow of podcast. This is right.
2: what I'm saying, right? So <laughs> you, you go come. Superhero segue because you're seeing uh, the Suicide Squad trailer out and then Batman and and, uh, Superman is coming Uh, out next year. Don't get me
1: started on that.
2: And by the way, so I like how they tied in Man of Steel to this uh, Dawn of Justice movie because now they're saying that Bruce Wayne is ticked off at Superman because in the battle at the end with Zod when Metropolis was destroyed – Bruce Wayne's You mean the
3: part of the movie that openly scoffing at, right. almost yelling at in the Bruce. theater, something I've never done in my life?
2: <laughs> Bruce Wayne is basically, uh, he's had his buildings damaged or destroyed and people that he knew were killed in this and that's why he's so. pissed at Superman.
3: Yeah, I'm, great. So he can go and die. Cuz it
2: shouldn't be a fight. All right. We're not going to get I, I know seriously, like I had so many questions, but
1: like I'm just going to like I am going to I'm going to table those for all right, now. Can we get back to actual rankings? We're going to get Let's back. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do get back to the show real quick so before we start this. I mentioned you can find us at nfl.com/draft. Kid. You can also go there you can do live drafts, you can do mock drafts, you can sign up all sorts of fantasy goodness all at your fingertips. You can do it on your desktop, you can do it on your mobile phone. Life will be great. Absolutely. So, now the moment you've all been waiting for. Yeah, buddy. Sing it! Um, it is time to do our rankings. I mentioned you can find them online nfl.com slash fantasy slash rankings. We are gonna talk about who we have ranked where, and we're gonna go with the four main positions. If you want kicker rankings, you came to the wrong place, friend. We don't waste time with <laughs> Come that on, here. kickers
2: are people too. They are people too, They're just
1: not people we're gonna talk about. So we will start at the quarterback position. With our QB rankings, let's just get this out of the way. We all have Aaron Rodgers number one and Andrew Luck number two, right? Like, that's just the thing. That's and just Russell, how it is. And Russell, and Russell Wilson, Wilson, Wilson number three. three, right? Like, so we know those three are the top three. Number four is kind of where it gets interesting. I mean, Marcus, Ben Roethlisberger. I know. I feel like I've been drinking the Damashek Kool Aid. I apologize yeah, for some of that. Uh, you know, that, that probably has a lot to do with it. But, um,. I feel like there's when you look at four, five, six with Roethlisberger, man. Even seven, you know, it's just kind of this this jumble of quarterbacks that you can pull out in just about any order and feel like you're gonna be okay. I'll pull back the curtain a little bit.
3: I hadn't made an eleventh hour switch before this podcast. (laughs) I had had Roethlisberger at four two. Wow. I knocked him down just a little bit. Part of the reason being, though, and I don't know if this is in your thought process, is those first couple weeks, Sands, Le'Veon Bell, they're not gonna be giving it to D'Angelo Williams twenty five times a game. Ben Roethlisberger is going to need to be slinging it, and he's got a wealth of targets in the passing game. I think those could help even out. Everybody always points to last year he had those two games with like a million yards and right. six touchdowns of back-to-back games. It was like an obscene percentage of his fantasy points for the year in two games, right. like 30%. Yep. Uh, the beginning of the year without Le'Veon Bell is going to help him help them even out that a little bit, and I think he could have some bigger weeks early on and provide some nice value
1: because you can get him late in drafts. Which, by the way, last year after his first six-touchdown game, I I think I went on NFL Fantasy Live and said, there's no way Ben
2: Roethlisberger throws six touchdowns this week. And it was against the Ravens and he had (sighs) done very little against the Ravens and he went off. I had him sit both weeks, yeah. That's how winning is done! (laughs) Nice job, (laughs) Fabiano.
1: So, yeah, I I mean, so I've got Ben at four. um, Just, yeah, we talked about four through seven. I've got Roethlisberger at four, Peyton at five, Breeze at six, Matt Ryan at seven, um, I don't know. I, I, am standing by
2: it. I feel, I feel good with that. The thing that worries me about Big Ben is like Alex said, a lot of that production came in two games and even more of it, I believe it was four or five. Most of his production, it was about 50%, maybe 45% of his production came in, in only a handful of games. And then there was other games where he absolutely killed you. Now, what are the advantages? Well, Todd Haley clearly likes to throw the football. We know that he's got Antonio Brown the best wide receiver in fantasy football Martavis Bryant who I absolutely love great deep threat guy who can stretch the football field he's got Le'Veon Bell when he comes back from the suspension who caught over 80 passes last year so there is a lot to like old reliable and Heath
3: Miller and now Marcus Wheaton is uh, the third or even fourth wide receiver not as much pressure to be on him I don't
2: know that Sammy Coates will make much of an impact but our weapons there for sure now the thing that I worry about is is reliability when it comes to Roethlisberger. He's never really been an elite fantasy quarterback. He's had a couple of good years, mm-hmm. uh, but he is not unlike Troy Aikman uh, in, in that very good quarterback, quarterback not on the as football good field. Not the as Mark
3: Brunell's, Troy Aikmans of Not the as world. good
2: in fantasy, but he was ahead of Drew Brees last year. This was his best fantasy season. But again, it came on the heels of those two six-touchdown games. Marcus is right. If you have confidence in Roethlisberger as a QB1, uh, you can get him late. We saw that in our mock draft. Same with Tony Romo, who I have 7th. Same with Matt Ryan, who I have 8th. If you want to play the game with Tom Brady, you can draft him late, sit on him for four weeks, or however long he's suspended if the suspension uh, is changed. Now, I have Peyton at four and Breeze at five. I've got Russell at three because I love the running aspect of his game. I love the fact that he now has an actual red zone target that isn't named Marshawn Lynch. It's now Jimmy Graham who could catch 10 to 12 touchdowns. I just don't see his yardage being the same. Breeze, I think, takes a step back, although he'll still be excellent because they're going to run the ball a little bit more. And Peyton Manning, I know he was bad in the last four weeks of 2014 better than anyone because he killed me, <laughs> he cost me the championship against Matt Money-Smith and a lot of you out there, but look at his numbers in the first 12 games. He was he was awesome. So I don't think you're going to see great, spectacular Peyton Manning, 55 touchdown Peyton Manning, uh, but you're also not going to see the garbage you saw from him in the no. last four weeks of 2014. Just keep in mind, though, that Gary Kubiak loves to run the football. So this is not going to be a run-and-gun offense. Where Peyton's going to be back in the shotgun 90% of the time. Robert, Matt you know, Schaub had some great it years. And it's
3: weird to say that, but Matt Schaub had some great fantasy years with Gary Kubiak at the helm mm-hmm. uh, for the Houston Texans, don't forget, where he was like leading the NFL in passing yardage in that same run first yep. offense. I, I
1: have this. I mean, my, my feelings on Peyton Manning are about the same as my feelings on Drew Brees that both these guys will be yeah. just fine as your QB1. If you're expecting the big video game numbers, they're just not going to happen this year. And I think with Peyton, especially because of the fade we saw from him late in the season last year, they're I feel like they're gonna do their best to try and and save him early in the year just so he has a little bit more left in the arm when they get to weeks, you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and then, you know, presumably into the postseason as well. So I feel like, you know, they'll be just fine. Those guys will be just fine as your number one quarterback, but if you're if you're looking for Drew Brees to go for five thousand yards or something like that, you're gonna be disappointed.
2: Yeah, and every move they made in the offseason, Marcus, was geared towards changing that offense and changing the the team, really. Graham is gone, uh, and then you've got Stills gone. You bring in two very good offensive linemen, uh, Andres Pete from the draft, and of course, Max Unger from the Seattle Seahawks. Get Spiller to
3: work in the short passing game. Exactly.
2: So, th- this is a team that has changed. They've, they've obviously decided that what they've been doing the last few years has not been working on offense, so they're going to change things up. Sean Payton is a guy who's not going to ever completely go away from the passing game, which is why I love Brandon Cooks this season, but you could see the Saints trying to run the ball a little bit more with Mark Ingram, who finally, finally met expectations last year, and C.J. Spiller. Spiller is interesting, guys, because isn't it every single year we're all about him, and every single year he disappoints? The this is the, thing, this is the year.
1: This is the year. I mean, we'll get we'll that it. a little bit later. Now you have to think yes. that this
2: is it. This is okay. You play with the Bills. Not a great offensive team. This is it, though. You've got you've got the Saints. You've got Breeze. You've got Peyton. Uh, you've got an offense that will be very, very conducive to fantasy success in terms of a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield, Reggie Bush, Pierre Thomas. Uh, you've got guys who can do that. Cadet caught uh, 40 or 50 passes last mm-hmm. year in that offense. So, Marcus is right. This this is the year.
1: This is the year. If right. he well, doesn't we're,
2: do it now, he ain't never going to do
1: happened. it. But uh, staying, getting back to quarterbacks real quick, the one name that I did want to get to – uh, Tom Brady. You mentioned him a little bit earlier. Fabs, obviously, uh, we're waiting to hear. But as we recorded this, we have not yet heard anything on Tom Brady's uh, appeal of his suspension. Good save. Good. So save. <laughs> right now, it still sits at four games as we are recording this podcast. By the time you listen to it, maybe it's still at four. Maybe it's been dropped. Who knows? But I mean, I'm looking at this, and I've got him at 13. Uh, Fabs, you got him at 10. Alex, you have him at nine. But it all kind of comes out to be the same. He's a low-end – right now he sits as a low-end QB1, maybe a high-end QB2, depending on, on how you you know, who else you draft on your roster. Um, let's just say, for the sake of argument, the, the suspension gets cut in half. So he misses two games. He's back for week three. Uh, I feel like he's – is he solidly back in the top ten at that point? I For sure.
2: Well, he's in my top ten right now. He's just at the end he's just, of it. Yeah, yeah,
1: he's just hanging on right now. Probably, I would
2: say he'd he'd probably move back up to six behind Drew Brees and ahead of Cam Newton.
3: I was thinking seven right behind Newton, but ahead of Roethlisberger and Tannehill for me. Yeah. Who was a name I wanted to bring up, too? Tannehill, we've talked about him a lot yeah. on the podcast. I have him in the top ten. Marcus, you have him in the top I've ten. I've got him at nine. Fabs has him just outside well, at 12.
2: And he's he's a guy that... I might flip-flop with Phillip Rivers mm-hmm. um, because there's a little bit of upside there. With Rivers, you've kind of seen the ceiling it. already. So, thank goodness we're already in the middle of July, so I can still change my mind. But right, these are not set in stone. He's right on the cusp of QB, low QB 1. Which is
3: why I kind of like right. sliding him into the top the bottom half of my top 10 is because you know we always talk about drafting upside at so many other positions. Sure. And if you're – there's nobody – this season probably with more upside that you said he's on that cusp with Ryan Tannehill. Could he flop? Sure. Could he slip back down to QB two, whatever. But with the weapons that are there, that offense, his maturation, his new big deal, all the signs are pointing to a great season for Ryan Tannehill. So, He's somebody late. I think I took him in our mock, actually, you in did. round 12 or something like that.
1: I mean, I thought, I thought you got really good value on him. He's a guy that I, I've really been pushing this year. I'm not sure if he's going to make my ride-or-die team this year. <laughs> you know, he's, uh, he's, he's under consideration. We are evaluating his prospects right now. But I, I like all the weapons they put around him. They obviously are putting him in a situation where – it's time to sink or swim if you're Ryan Tannehill. And, you know, of all the things he does, the one thing I, I say I like, and, and we've talked about this before, his ability to run with the football. And it's not something people talk about quite as much. Nobody compares him to you know Russell Wilson or Colin Kaepernick or even Cam Newton. But Ryan Tannehill can get out of the pocket. He can make some things happen that way. And that is always it's always a great thing to have for out of your quarterback position. Uh, another
3: name, not to jump the gun, but so we can get, get as many people in here as possible as we're moving through. Teddy Bridgewater, because Marcus, I know you're a huge fan of Teddy, and of the three of us, I have you lost. have him ranked the lowest I by a wide margin too. Yeah, I, you know,
1: and I, I do. I've got him. At, I've got him at 21 right now, but I'm really feeling like, you know, I may move him up ahead of you know guys like Dalton and Cutler. Um, it was more, it was less about Teddy, and more about I just I I wonder about the guys around him, about the weapons around him, and how much that offense is going to lean on Adrian Peterson now that he's back. Um, you know, I I I. I, I I told you, I watched Cordero Patterson video, and I hated my life for like a day and a half. a <laughs> um, stomach ache. I did. I just felt so terrible about everything for a while. Uh, you know, and so I'm not big on Mike Wallace. I, you know, I just, I wonder about the guys catching the football from Teddy Bridgewater. But I like what he offers as a quarterback. I just am not sure about the guys around him.
2: That's well, fair. Charles Johnson is a guy who a lot of people believe is a deep sleeper. Mike Wallace is someone who is what he is. He can stretch the field. Uh, he's a touchdown machine, but he doesn't give you a ton of yardage. Um, he was a top 20 wide receiver last year from a fantasy perspective. I think the uh, the, the comeback uh, of, of Kyle Rudolph is an underrated aspect because if you look at North Turner's offenses, the tight end is almost always utilized prominently. And Rudolph has shown in the past that he this is a guy who is a, 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 a Pro Bowl MVP who can catch the football, uh, and make plays. He just has to stay out of the trainer's room. He could be that underrated uh, part of, of that Vikings offense that we're not talking about too much right now that could really help in the development of Teddy Bridgewater becoming uh, a matchup-based fantasy quarterback this year and potentially even slide him up into that low QB1 range.
1: Uh, real quick, uh, I'm looking at a one particular name. I've got Joe Flacco at 14. Uh, Fabs, you've got him at 18. Alex, you have him at 17. I guess that answers the right. question of whether or not Joe Flacco is elite. <laughs>
2: <laughs> in fantasy, <laughs> he, he's another Troy Aikman type, in the, in type the, of Why uh, can't we
3: get Joe Flacco's postseason performances in the regular season? I know. Season. He's awesome. All right, so i got to point one more out maybe before we move positions here. Um, I guess I'm the only one riding the Geno coaster this year because if you look at the rankings, Fabs has him has at 31. You have him at 24, and I, maybe I was drunk when I did these rankings. I have Gino <laughs> at
2: 18. You know that that Gino roller coaster might be the one that gets stuck at the top and people are stuck up there for, for days. a while? And, uh, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick comes and Now,
3: here's that. here's my defense. Oh, man, I got a James <laughs> Cook. You, you got
1: code. Uh,
3: exactly. My defense of Gino, I mean, he might be a little too high. However, uh, Chan Gailey has turned some – He's made bad uh, quarterbacks into fantasy stars or guys that are relevant chicken
1: salad out of Ryan Fitzpatrick
3: owes his house (laughs) and all of his children's clothing and toys to Chan Gailey because Chan Gailey's offense helped Fitzpatrick get his (laughs) monster deal. Um, And now for the first time, like forever, Geno Smith actually has weapons around him, too. He's Mm -hmm. got Brandon Marshall. He's got Eric Decker. He has uh, Devin Smith. I mean, like, remember what he had, what he was working with when he was a rookie? Yeah. And each of the last two years, towards the end of the year, Gino has, has hit his stride in the last month. I don't know if that's like, all we're ever I, going to if get. If I
1: could rank him on the last month of the season, he'd be on, the top 10 on guy.
3: Decembers, right. you know, Geno Smith has played outrageous in December. So why I guess I have him at 18 is this year I'm hoping in his third year he's got a better offensive coordinator, better weapons. He finally puts it all together and carries that into a a solid QB2 performance, like a great streaming option, maybe good play in in daily leagues and stuff like that, because he'll be cheap in those leagues, and you you can get him in the last round of drafts.
2: A quick mention for Carson Palmer, too. Remember, when he played last year, he was phenomenal. Uh, he is not going to be drafted until the late rounds. You can get him as a QB, two. I think
3: Franchise got him in round, like, 14 or 15 in Who our could draft. could
2: potentially be your QB1 last year. He averaged right around .7 fantasy points per completion. Drew Stanton came in in his absence, averaged right around .67 fantasy points per completion, and that's pretty good for Drew Stanton. This offense is geared towards success for the quarterback and... I love John Brown. You've got Fitzpa- uh, Fitzgerald there, as well as Michael Floyd and a pass-catching running back in honore Ellington. So Palmer could be one of the best draft bargains. I like,
3: I like Palmer a lot. I do just like Palmer. Just keep tabs just, on
2: that knee. Just hopefully everything Everything's been good so far. Should we uh, Should we jump to everybody's favorite position? Let's move on to the running backs. I know it's mine. Let's go. Running back. So this is, I think, where
1: maybe – I won't say the biggest question, but I think certainly the the largest debate at this point, because I think we're all agreed that a running back is going to go with the number one overall pick in pretty much every league, at least most of your standard leagues, you're going to go running back number one. But question remains, I mean... Adrian Peterson is back. So, you know, even with a year off, everybody still is big on him, understandably. Eddie Lacy, who had a really good year after he had a slow start, bounced back, played really well last year. Le'Veon Bell, who I think would have been the consensus number one had no he not doubt. been suspended because, depending on the way he played last year. So you've got three guys who could make a claim to be the number one overall pick. And then you've got guys like, you know, Arian Foster, Jamal Charles, kind of Marshawn Lynch all hanging on the periphery right there. Um, so let's just let's put it out there right now, Fabs. Who is number
2: one? Adrian Peterson. He was the player I drafted number one overall in our mock draft. Uh, again, I know there's risk with Adrian Peterson, but I can give you risk with almost every single oh, yeah. member of my top ten running backs. Every single one. Maybe Sans Eddie Lacy, who might come with the least amount of risk. Also uh,
3: not as high of a ceiling as the other guys, but...
2: Correct. So for me... I know he's 30. I know he didn't play last year. I talked to D'Angelo Williams about it, and D'Angelo actually thinks that's a good thing. you got a year to rest, man, after uh, years of, of punishment on your body. He's going to be motivated. He's playing in North Turner's offense. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. North Turner's offense, not only very good for tight ends, but especially good for running backs. Just asked Emmett Smith and LaDainian Tomlinson, Lamont Jordan, Frank Gore, Ricky Williams, uh, all these guys had great years from a fantasy perspective under North Turner. Uh, he's got a quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater who I think will keep defenses a little more honest than Christian Ponder. And let, let's let put it this way, guys. Peterson is someone who we've doubted in the past, especially after he came off of the ACL. He rushed for almost 2,100 again. yards. <laughs> we don't need to do that again. I have faith in the man. Now, one quick thing here also is that this week on NFL.com, I'm going to be projecting the top two running backs for every single team in the National Football League, based on fantasy points per touch, based on uh, 2014 numbers, based on offensive coordinator tendencies, uh, and it's going to take me forever. I just started so it the today.
1: Vi- so the Vikings are Adrian Peterson and so Adrian check that Peterson. out. Yeah,
2: it's probably Adrian Peterson and and Adrian. Don't Peterson. Say mass, yeah, a, a smidge Don't say mass, of Jarek yeah. McKin- McKinnon. A there? smidge. But Peterson's my guy. Good. Marcus is right. Bell would have been the number one guy, and no yeah, one would have that questioned would have been a it. Consensus. The three-game suspension put a dent into his value.
1: Um. Real quick on Adrian Peterson. I mean, yeah, I think we're we're all agreed. After what he did, coming back off off a knee injury and running for two thousand yards, we are not doubting him. He is part cyborg. I think he's in Terminator Genesis. Actually, I think he's got a cameo. How would you mention that?
2: Did you <laughs> see, see it yet? Was it bad?
1: No, I I'm pro- I'm seeing it tonight.
3: I'm not thrilled about it. So yeah, well, I'll let you guys know next week what I thought. When
1: when Gelhar shows up uh, on Wednesday and he's morose in the office, <laughs> or know. or hungover. Cause
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know what the best <laughs> thing about that movie is? Is that they did a Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator voiceover for my Waze app, and that's, so now the everywhere part. I wow. go, turn right. Wow. Turn left. See me and turn me right.
1: See and, and Amelia Clark are birthday. I buddies. love it. We're birthday buddies, me and uh, that's cute. And Amelia Clark. That's so, it. but anyway, all about Andrew backs. Peterson. Um, <laughs> okay, so obviously we know this guy is is a freak. He's 30 years old, and. We you know, traditionally have talked about 30 years being the, the wall that running backs hit, but we've seen in recent years guys like Frank Gore have been able to succeed you know, past the age of 30. Ernest Martin had a huge year. Martin. I mean, there are guys that are, that are there. Is it that it's not the, you know, the, the downfall we once believed it to be, or are all these guys who succeeded just kind of anomalies? Well, Frank Gore's never going to die.
3: He's gonna outlive a all. Be, he's gonna be the last man on earth. Like, he will outlive he's gonna us all. look at Will Forte and be like, what are you doing here? And then Will Forte <laughs> is
1: gonna pass away and it's just
3: gonna be Frank Gore. Um, but I think it's it's part of the times, it's part of the training, the you know, the health, the regiment these guys are on. And also some of these guys, like with Peterson he missed a year, Forsett, he wasn't he thirty last year and he had a great year or twenty nine.
2: And he also didn't have a lot of miles. Exactly. Right. He didn't
3: have a lot of miles. So I think that comes into it. Uh Frank Gore is just just an anomaly. That guy's age, a beast.
2: Age is a part of it. I think it's more um, the the number of carries like Clinton Portis when he got into his late 20s you could see him starting to break down because he had so much work I mean Terrell Davis broke down uh before he was 30 because of all the work that he had in a short period of time and then you're seeing a guy like Peterson a lot of work on him but he's coming off a year where he didn't do much and again Marcus said it he's a cyborg so there are certainly a lot of examples of running backs who hit 30 we can mention Matt Forte right now Forte is going to turn 30 uh, later on this year is he someone to be concerned about I don't think most people are concerned about Forte although you're not getting 102 catches out of him no, no I mean not,
1: not with Mark Trussman gone no not gonna chance
2: have it. Uh, those are going to go potentially to Forte or Forsett who could see 50 to 60 catches easily so you also have to consider the depth at the running back position uh, is not great it's not True. great you've got a lot of question marks Can DeMarco Murray do it again? Will Melvin Gordon shine? Will Frank Gore continue to be this energizer bunny from a fantasy perspective? Can Forsett do it again? Can Carlos Hyde take over where Gore left off in San Francisco? Lamar Miller now has Jay
1: Ajayi. Thank
2: you to contend (laughs) with in Miami. See, I like that. Uh, TJ Yeldon is a question mark. Andre Ellington is a question mark. I like Latavius Murray, but he's no guarantee to be the guy. Who's the guy in Dallas? Lots of question marks. So you're going to be almost forced to put your faith in some of these older running backs who might have a lot of mileage on them. You
1: mentioned Matt Forte, and obviously he he had the phenomenal year last year. Now there's a, a new coaching staff in in Chicago that he's going to have to deal with there. Um, I look at him, I look at Marshawn Lynch, two guys who over the last couple of years have been just absolutely hands-down fantasy studs, no doubt about it. This year, they both come in, and there are a lot of people that are worried about him. I mean, with Lynch, you've got the huge workload. He He's going to be 29, or he just turned 29 in April. He's got a huge workload. Matt Forte is 30 years old. Uh, you know, which one of these two do you feel like comes with the least amount of risk?
2: I'm going to go with Lynch, and uh, that's because... He did you watch him run last year? I mean, oh, yeah, he ran like a guy who was twenty three, twenty four years old. He doesn't seem to age. We haven't seen any signs of breakdown now. We haven't seen that from Forte either. um, But Forte is also now going to be in a different offense with a different offensive coordinator who's not going to utilize him as much in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield. And Forte didn't have a lot of rushing yards last year uh, either. Lynch will lose some touchdown opportunities to Jimmy Graham in the red zone. He had 17 last year. He's not going to hit that mark again. The yardage will be there. The touches will be there. Uh, The receptions should likely be there as well. But I just have more trust in Lynch than I have in Forte because Lynch is in an offense that is basically – predicated on him succeeding. Lynch the
3: is mound. the motor in that offense. Yes, he whereas is. the the motor in the Chicago offense kind of remains to be seen this year. Is it going to be Jay Cutler's arm? Is it going to be Forte again? Can he be that motor by himself? Like mm-hmm. he was for a lot of it last year, but we, you know, there's a lot more question marks. I'm with you. I think Lynch is the safer bet in the top 10 of those two. It's close, but Better Lynch is the bet. guy I'd want.
1: Definitely. Uh, looking at some other names that are interesting in our rankings here. Again, you can find them online, NFL.com slash fantasy slash rankings. Jonathan Stewart. We know uh we know John Stewart is leaving the Daily Show soon, but uh this J Stu keeps on rolling along. He'll be back in Carolina for another year. I've got him at eighteen, Fabs, you've got him at twenty two. Alex has him at fourteen A fairly wide variance of opinions on Jonathan Stewart. Alex, I will let you start since you have him ranked the highest. What do you see? What do you believe in him that that has you have him so high?
3: Well, thankfully, we all have him roughly about in that RB2 range. For Fabs, he's just a touch outside. What I like about him this year is what he put on tape last year. He ran uh, some of the best running I've seen in his career And now what always kind of dogged him and D'Angelo Williams the last few years was, yeah, sure, injuries, but they were a two-headed monster. And you didn't know who was going to get the touches, who was going to get the yards, you know, who was going to get the goal line carries. Now this backfield is Jay Stu's to lose. Cameron Artis-Payne is there, and we'll probably get some rotational work to keep uh, Stewart fresh. But for the most part, it's the Daily Show, and that's what it's going to be.
2: If I had more faith in his durability, he'd be in my top 20. I mean, 13 games last year— Six the year before, nine the year before. The previous four years, he played in a minimum of 14 uh, every year, so he was also not a featured guy. It was D'Angelo Williams who was the guy back then. And even D'Angelo, um, and I, I mention him because you know he's a good dude and we talk, and uh, he's even uh, said, hey, what is Carolina doing behind Jay Stu? because he has a tendency to find time in the trainer's room more often than not. If I... If I had a crystal ball, and and boy, I wish I did, and I could look into the 2015 season and see that he was going to play at least 14 games, he'd probably be in my top 15. If you had a crystal ball and talented. you
1: get to check on Jonathan Stewart's prospects, you're doing well, it. Well, this is only after yeah, I would this look this up. There's this, <laughs> this thing called like the stock market. You're, you're yeah, you know, spin. the
2: lotto. I, I'd lotto. look into it for that, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, well, I'd still be looking it up for fantasy football. <laughs> I but, think You know what? <laughs> it wouldn't be fun if you knew what was going <laughs> to happen. Know, it wouldn't be fun.
3: Injury, Injuries are darn near impossible to predict, and uh, I just think it's it's tough to write him off like that, and I will take that upside in that offense with a healthy Cam Newton and the Twin Towers and Funches and Benjamin on the outside and hope that J. Stew delivers.
1: See, I, come, I, I, I land kind of in between both of you here, and I, like, I love Jonathan Stewart's ability, and I always thought that he was the best running back they had there, and i was always wondering why, even when Stewart was healthy, it seemed like D'Angelo Williams was getting a lot more carries than I would have anticipated and I just I have this bad feeling that we're gonna see the same with Cameron Artis Payne. That, you know, we're gonna see Jay Stu sitting there, you know, having a good season and all of a sudden you're gonna see Cap jump in there and, and get some touches. So, you know, uh I don't know. I, 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 I want to be optimistic and that's why I kinda have him as a low R B two sort of thing that you'll get some opportunities there, but maybe not as many as you think you should possibly
2: Wait Marcus, so you're saying you have a bad feeling about this. I do. And Sully's not paying attention. I know. Perfect opportunity to use that line. The Han
1: Solo. Where's, where's Han Solo when we need him? Um, where's Han Solo? This yeah. is this is perfect way opportunity. <laughs> this is Very way bad. overwrought. rot. Oh, we, went a, we went a long way around the block to get to that one. Yeah, we did. Anyway, uh, our, uh, last one in our RB section here. Looking at the Giants. They've got Rashad Jennings, they've got Shane Vereen, they've got Andre Williams. That seems like a mess that I don't really want any part of.
2: (laughs) That's true. Um, Until Jennings potentially injures himself, which has been an issue for him in the last few years. But he's the most talented and the most well-rounded running back in that backfield. And we saw that last year and the year before when he was in Oakland when he really looked good. But when he played, he was good. And he was putting up pretty good fantasy numbers. Now the G-men bring in Vereen, who's the pass-catching. He reminds me of a Dave Meggett because Meggett was a a famous giant in the past. Then you've got Andre Williams, who could potentially steal some goal line work. So you've got three running backs who have three different sort of skill sets that could basically crush every one of that trio's fantasy appeal. You and I
3: basically have the same rankings just flipped. I had Vereen at 30 because I like his pass-catching ability sure. in McAdoo's offense. I think especially if they're running a lot of hurry-up, mm-hmm. Vereen could make hay similar to what he did in New England. And then I have Jennings at 34. You on the flip side have Jennings at 30, Vereen at
1: 33. Right. Uh, Marcus has Jennings at 34, then Vereen, okay, at, Vereen at forty. Admittedly, I I, I, I can think that, that Vereen might be a little bit low, that he could probably stand to be moved up a little bit in my rankings. It's just,
2: not Ben Vereen. It's Shane Vereen. It's Shane Vereen. It's not even yeah. Brock
1: Vereen. I know. I, I just <laughs> – I guess I'm just – I'm really pessimistic about what the Giants are doing with their running game and with their running backs. So, I, you know, I just am kind of staying away from them right now. Um, speaking of committees, and I see you writing it down right now, and I thought about it too, just as, just as you were writing this, Alex – I feel like I'm the only one who has any faith in Joyke Bell this year. Like I feel like I'm the Tell only one. Tell us why. I, yeah, you are. Wax philosophic. Why because, should we believe in Joyke Bell? Because I believe that he still has something left, and I believe he was the better of the two backs between he and Reggie Bush last year. Oh, he was, for sure. And, and I just don't know... That Amir Abdullah jumps in right away. I think I think Abdullah is talented. I think, but I think he plays the Reggie Bush role this year. and That it still is primarily Joique Bell's. Now I don't believe Joique's statement that he's going to run for 1,200 yards. I think if I, I I think I did the math. And I don't think Joique's mother believes that. Stuff. Right. Like I think you I think you would have to get like 305 carries to get to 1,200 <laughs> yeah. yards based on what he averaged per carry last year. So I don't see that happening. But. I don't know. I still believe that Joy Bell is, is going to be a
2: decent RB2 and that he's going to lead the way in that Lions backfield. I've got Abdullah ranked ahead of him because I think Abdullah's going to end up seeing more of the backfield touches as the season progresses. Will Bell be the guy to start the season? Yes. Will he finish the season as the guy? I'm not so sure. He's coming off the Achilles, the knee. He's 29 years old when the season starts. He turns 29 next month. And I know he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his body, but this is a guy who has not exactly been uh, a, a like game, game changer. Raker, yeah, exactly. A game changing kind of running back. And I think Abdullah is that type of runner. He's a smaller guy, but he can catch the ball out of the backfield. The Lions coaches are raving about him uh, during OTAs. Let's see what happens in training camp. Remember, Abdullah was given the opportunity to shine in OTAs because Bell's coming and off of the injuries. And, and he did. Oh, mo- goodness, did he? Oh, yeah, good. <laughs> there he go. Sully's coming back strong now. Get that now. train on the tracks. If you Ugh. draft a Lions running back, in my opinion, it should be yeah. a
3: mirror. I'm I'm the highest on Abdullah of us. I have him at twenty four. I grabbed him in I think the seventh round of our mock. I was happy I to I wanted him too. Everything everything I'm hearing, everything I watched, I mean he's a character guy, he's strong for his size, he's fast for his size, he can he's got every move in the book. He can juke, he can stiff arm, he can spin. And I think as much as I like Joeick Bell and I love his story coming from Wayne State, you know, hometown kid playing for the Lions. It's like Fabiano kind of said, talent wins out at the end of the day in this backfield. And whether or not Joich Bell starts in week one is that, I don't think he'll keep that. He's still going to have value. I think sure. I got him, you know, in the 30s or something like that. But Abdullah is the Detroit running back I want to own.
1: All right, let's move on. Wide receivers. Um,. And I feel like you know, we, we talked we actually talked a little bit about Des Bryant at the beginning of the show. I've got him at number two. Obviously that's going to change if he decides he's going to sit out some games. I mean, if we get a couple of weeks into the preseason and Des isn't around, that ranking falls a little bit, but I still feel confident with him as at two. Uh I've got Demarius at three. Sitting at four is Calvin Johnson. Now, Megatron is still Megatron. He's going to be fantastic. But are we past the days where he is just automatically hands down the number one wide receiver off the board in fantasy football? Is, I, I don't, is
3: that done now? I couldn't slide him farther than two. I think you got to take Brown first based on what he's done the last couple weeks and everything we said about Roethlisberger earlier. But, I mean, it, this is Megatron we're talking yeah. about. And he was injured injured bad last year for a while. So <laughs> I, I I, looked at Dez. I looked at you know Demarius. I looked at Julio. Beckham and I just couldn't put anybody above Calvin because he's been so good for so long I've got
2: Calvin at three I've got D Thomas ahead of him uh I got Megatron ahead of Dez and if if you look at the numbers that Megatron had last year sure he had a couple of down weeks but look at what Golden Tate did when he was gone Golden Tate ended up being a top 25 fantasy wide receiver last year uh on the strength of, of those like four or five games weeks yeah. that that Calvin missed and, and he and that he wasn't healthy, yeah. Of Megatron is the man. Matthew Stafford loves throwing tunnel the vision. football. He's got tunnel vision, tunnel vision towards <laughs> him. As long as Calvin and Johnson is healthy, in my opinion, he is a top three fantasy wide receiver. Who I would not be shocked if he ends up number does, one at the end of twenty fifteen.
1: Does that tunnel vision open up a little bit more simply because of what you said about Golden Tate now that now that Matt Stafford knows he's got a guy that he's comfortable with. I mean, he never was able to gain that sort of comfort with, you know, Nate Burleson or, you know, Ryan Broyles when he was healthy or whoever else was on the field. He seems to have that rapport with Golden Tate. Does that change maybe his desire to always throw it in the direction of number 81?
2: Well, uh, to me, he is his his first option. He always will be his first option. And, again, you look at the games that Tate went off when Calvin was injured – a lot of those targets are going to go to Megatron if he's healthy and on that football field. Yeah. No, I think
1: you're right.
3: Um, I think if you were to ask Matt Stafford, he uh, Calvin Johnson has never not been open <laughs> in his NFL career. <laughs>
1: Calvin would true. probably say the same thing. <laughs> That's probably true. Um, I feel like at this point, before we get into some other names, I feel like I have to give a public service announcement. Odell Beckham's not a first-round wide receiver, y'all. He's just not. <laughs> he's not. He's very good. He's outstanding. And he's a top-ten guy, and he has a chance to be a top-five guy. I just I want to put this out here because I just know he's going to be the most overdrafted player in fantasy football this year, and I know if Chris Westling, our friend from around the NFL, hears this, he will take umbrage with me because he's already put Beckham in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> he's not a first-round wide receiver, y'all. That I just I wish we had the little star with the NBC. You know, the more you the know, more
3: you know. Yeah. right. I that wish we had drop. that right now. Next time, we get the um, more you know drop for PSAs. That's all.
1: I just had to get that off. I will
2: tell you this. I think at least a a little bit of the hype has has sort of decreased because at the end of last year, that was the question. It was
1: insane. He was going to be the number one overall pick. He's the number one overall pick. He's the first
2: round pick. Now I think people are sort of coming to their senses, unless you're a guy who who leaned on him and, and won a championship because of him, or maybe you root for the New York Giants, and... To me, he's a second-round pick, and there's nothing wrong with being a second-round pick in fantasy when you're not a running back. That's pretty good, and he's the top of the second-round pick. And I think there are a little bit of concerns here because he averaged 17 fantasy points a game last year. That's not going to happen again in 2015. Victor Cruz, everything sounds like he could be back, although I'm worried about him coming from that patella tendon injury, but there's a potential where OBJ loses targets there. There's been a lot of talk about how good Ruben Randall's been. They added Shane Vereen as a pass-catching running back out of the backfield. So the targets might not be there uh, in bulk like they were last year with OBJ. Last year when Eli Manning would throw the ball to OBJ and double and triple coverage, maybe he doesn't have to do that this year because he's got some other options there in the offense. Is he still a top-10 wide receiver? Come on, of course he is. First-round pick, Marcus is right, he is not.
3: Speaking of, I'm looking at this, I think this might be a good place to jump into, is we're all chalk in just different orders for the first seven wide receivers. In some order, it's Antonio Brown, Des Bryant, Demarius Thomas, Calvin Johnson, Jordy Nelson, Odell Beckham, and Julio Jones. After that is where it gets a little murky. There's a lot of the same names, so we've got them shifting around a little bit. Uh, why don't we talk about uh, these these paired guys, Randall Cobb and Manny Sanders who are both the number two options on their team, but they're the two highest-ranked number two wide receivers we got in this league. Where do you guys got them? What do you like?
1: I've got Randall Cobb at number nine. I've got Sanders a little bit lower at 14. Um... I don't know. I just I, I think that Sanders was I won't say a one year wonder. I think he puts up good numbers again this year, but I do think that some of those targets, especially like the, the short throws, the, the little wide receiver screens, I think a few more of those go to Demarius Thomas than go to a man. Or turn Sanders. into handoffs. Or turn into handoffs, correct. Um Randall Cobb I love and I think he's going to push Jordy Nelson. Uh, to be the de facto number. I mean, they're a one and one a situation in that Green Bay offense, and I think you know Randall Cobb may challenge to you know to lead that that team in targets this year.
2: I think there's two players that could make or break a lot of fantasy teams because they're going to be drafted so high. One of them is Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have him ranked eighth overall. He was the tenth best wide receiver in fantasy football last year. Uh, a lot of that came on the strength of his 12 touchdowns, his yardage, and his receptions. Not great. They weren't bad, but there's much there's there, there's there's a whole lot of room for improvement with those two. I don't know that he gets back to twelve touchdowns. Maybe he has ten, but the receptions and the yardage go up. I have him as a second round pick. The second guy is Brandon Cooks. I got you guys know I had I to love, mention. I him. love Brandon Cooks. I love Brandon Cooks. If he can produce what we expect him to produce, he could end up being in that low end wide receiver one territory. Some somebody who can finish in the seven to ten range at the end of the season and you can get him probably for a third or fourth round pick. He's got to stay healthy, but that's pretty rich though. Every I would absolutely take him in the third or fourth round. Depending on again, in our draft, we all do the same thing. We all, we all wait on we quarterbacks. We kind of know how the other people are going to draft. We all wait on quarterbacks. <laughs> which we another, all go running another back PSA, in wide
1: receiver crate. Know
3: your league. Yes. Know the league you're sure. going to draft in. Don't follow our Yahoo draft patterns or whatever. If your league goes quarterbacks first, which if by you the way, get a quarterback in, early. Get a quarterback early. By know the your way, league.
1: in our in our mock draft, I took Brandon Cooks in the fourth round. Right. Well, that's
2: actually, where he's going <laughs> to go third or fourth round if you're in a ten or a twelve team league. That's dependent, but he's going to go no later than the fourth round because of the quarterback he has, because of the system he's in, because of the losses the Saints suffered, uh, or they were self-inflicted losses with Jimmy Graham and uh, Kenny Stills both being traded, but the opportunities are going to be there for him to break out.
3: Uh, But to peel back the curtain further, Matt Harmon and I are actually roommates, and last night we were talking about Brandon Cooks, and we were both a tad worried just because that third-round or fourth-round price tag is so high for Cooks in an offense where, like we said... We, we said it earlier it's going more run-heavy. Spiller's going to – Spiller, let's not forget Reggie Bush in his rookie year had like 95 catches yep. in that offense. Spiller could very easily have close to 100 catches in that offense, so Woo! it's going to eat into a lot of those into those. That right those there is bold.
2: I think James Coe is like kind of you know, gotten well, the ghost into your of head Coe, a little the bit. The
3: ghost of Coe is here. Um, however, somebody else that I took right after you took Cooks that I love in the fourth round is DeAndre New Hopkins. Because ta- speaking of targets leaving and targets that are going to come – Hopkins had over 100 targets last year and saw like 140 walk out the door when Under Johnson left. Yeah. And you are not going to tell me that Cecil Shorts or Jalen Strong are going to come in and take 120 targets. No. No. Uh,
2: no he's and John- I like Jalen Strong. Yeah. No, he's not going to. Johnson
3: used to lead the league in targets for years with like 180 plus targets. Which so is- if Nuke gets that, even with a garbage quarterback under center, he's going to put a close to top 10 number. That's the one big numbers. question
2: mark because, okay, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not, uh, you know, not, not the best quarterback on the planet, but I mean <sighs> – you know Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett we haven't seen a whole lot out of him so I think that's the one downfall with him with Hopkins I love him I love the upside I think he's a top 10 wide receiver from a potential perspective but the quarterback position could hold him down just a little bit like Mike Evans said the quarterback position held him down last year in Tampa Bay
1: okay another name um and I saw this you mentioned you mentioned our guy Matt Harmon who for a guy who just got here, he's gotten his name on this podcast a whole lot yeah, already. A lot. It's kind of weird,
2: but he was tweeting- you know new guys got to buy lunch. By the way,
1: <laughs> we told him that yesterday too. Um, he tweeted earlier on Tuesday about Brandon LaFell and the fact that Brandon LaFell was a top twenty-five wide receiver fantasy-wise last year. And I mean, I'm looking; I've got him ranked at twenty-three. Woo! Um, you we know, both have him at thirty-four. Yeah, and you guys have him at thirty-four. I feel like when we talk about the Patriots and we talk about their pass catchers, we talk about Gronk and maybe Edelman. Sure, but there was a point last year where Tom Brady had eyes for Brandon LaFell, and is it, are we looking at? Okay, you know, I can admit that I might possibly you know be a little bit punch drunk, and I have him at twenty three. But are we kind of forgetting about this guy I right think now? I might bump him up a little more if
3: Brady's suspension gets dropped, but. When you're coming into that offense and if Jimmy Garoppolo is under center for four weeks. That's
2: why he's, he's not gonna, higher. He's
3: going to be gunning right. for Edelman and Gronk because those are going to be his safest options. Uh, that's why I feel like you know having him at 34 is in that safe like wide receiver three-ish range discussion where I'll be happy to roster him, but I'm not going to reach for him by any stretch yet.
2: The, the good thing about LaFell is that when you started him last year, a lot of times he didn't put up great numbers, but he didn't kill you. Uh, he had 119 at a touchdown. 97 and two touchdowns, 124 and a touchdown, 53 and a touchdown. Then he had a few weeks where he had 62, 98, but he was your three or your flex. So in a standard league, he's not killing you. Then he had 38 and two touchdowns. The last three games, 66, 64, and 70. Not bad numbers from your flex or your three. And if you're in a PPR league over the last three weeks, he gave you 17 catches. Uh, I will move him up if Tom Brady's suspension is cut in half or Uh, decreased a little bit, but when Brady got suspended, I dropped him down a little bit into that three or four range. But Marcus is right, and these are the players that you have to look out for. They're not the guys who have the sexy names, uh, but they're the guys who produce. So here's my argument
1: for Brandon LaFell. I mean, he was second on the team in in receiving touchdowns last year. He had seven, Gronk obviously number one with with 12. mm -hmm. And you just start to wonder at some point, eh, look, Gronk is a machine. He's just a big hulk of a – of a man who stands there in the end zone and gets open and catches touchdowns. But as teams really try to neutralize him, even if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, don't you want to have another big target you can throw the ball up to somewhere down near the end zone? And Brandon LaFell, I think, offers that. Now, you know, I don't expect a double-digit touchdown season out of him, but I would think six to eight touchdowns is another reasonable number. He can approach maybe a 1,000 yards this year. I think. I think that's all doable for him. I do. Right. Silence. Silence. So Should then. jump to next?
2: Not of that. Um, no, I, but I agree with you. He's a player much like, I would say, someone in the neighborhood of a Marcus Colson who people might be overlooking a little bit. Yeah. Opportunities could be there, though.
1: Okay, so speaking of, of, you mentioned Marcus Colson, speaking of aging veteran wide receivers, we talked about the Geno Coaster. I think it's only fair we talk about Brandon Marshall then and what the future holds for him now that he is in Gotham. Uh, I loved him last year. I, uh, I I actually have him on a dynasty league team, which looked a lot better when he was playing in Chicago. <laughs> uh, I wish I could take I wish I could take that back now, but I do think that that he and Geno Smith, in some weird way, might be good for each other. They'll have to be good for each other on somebody else's roster because I'm not going to draft him. But I mean, I think he's got potential as a you know mid to low wide receiver three for you this year. I think that's kind of where we all have him slotted too.
2: Yeah, I, ha- I see. I I look at trends, man. I. His worst seasons in the league were the seasons where he wasn't with Jake Cutler. And I, I, I'll never forget at the end of uh, last year. And then we had free agency and, and, and then Marshall ended up with the Jets. There was uh, a meme out there or, 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 or a, a, an image of a graveyard and all the gravestones had all of these jets wide receivers who were really good at one point in their career, went to New York and stunk like Braylon Edwards and San Antonio Holmes.
3: Braylon Edwards had one good year.
2: But he went to New York, and he was <laughs> he was not a good fantasy player at all. Um, you've got Eric Decker, who if he didn't have over 200 yards in that last game would have really had horrible numbers compared to what he did in Denver. Now, of course, you have uh, Mr. Marshall going there. I he, He's always been a top-10 wide receiver in rankings when he's had Jake Hutler. Even when he was in Miami, he was in the top 15, now I can't he trust had great him. Great in Denver too, though. I with Jay Cutler. <laughs> I mean, Jay Cutler was there. This <laughs> is true. So I mean, I, I just, I, I a just little brain fart right there. I <laughs> can't see him. I can't see him putting up these huge numbers uh, with without Cutler and with a guy like Geno Smith throwing him the football. That's why I have him ranked at twenty five. Will I take him as a mid three at some point in the middle to later rounds? I mean, I probably would, but. Uh, you can tell by the tone of my voice, I'm not real thrilled about him this year.
1: Yeah, and I think that's kind of how a lot of people feel. I mean, I know it's how a lot of people felt when Eric Decker left Denver and uh, and went to New York. You mm-hmm. know, so I think I think Brandon Marshall probably fits into the, the same category. He
2: does. He absolutely does. There's been a lot. Look, look at the look at the numbers. There's been a lot of Jets wide receivers who come in, it's almost like Seattle. Seattle had that stretch, too, where you know Nate Burleson, our guy here at NFL Network, went there, didn't didn't have great numbers. T.J. Zada same kind of thing. Uh, there was a bunch of those type of wide receivers who went to Seattle. Same thing with the Jets now. It's starting to happen with them, where you've got big names going there and floundering in the stat sheets. Yeah,
1: no doubt. Uh, real quick before we wrap this up, let's get over to the tight ends. There's not a lot to this talk about. This one's easy, about. Marcus. There's not a lot to talk about with the tight ends. I mean, obviously, Gron- Gronk, Graham, one and two, Gronk. some combination of Olsen, and Kelsey uh, in the next couple of spots there, the first name that I, I see that bring that, that uh, I think is worth talking about is Julius Thomas, who obviously was a beast playing in Denver with that Bronco offense. Now goes to Jacksonville where he'll be catching passes from Blake Bortles. That Blake Bortles that is certainly Easy a for you to say a uh, exactly certainly a downgrade from catching passes from Peyton Manning. <sighs> I've got him at, uh, or actually, I know Fabs, you've got him at six. And you and I have him at five. I have him at seven.
2: Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, at you seven. Must have just flipped that.
1: Um, but I've got him at five. I uh, actually said you have him at five I also. I have him at five. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. For me, I, he was like a reluctant number five to me. I don't know,
3: Alex, how did you feel? I mean, you have got up the same spot. Same. I had I had been hating on him more in the off season, but that's kind of regressed as I was like, well, that's right. This guy is kind of a freak athlete, and Blake Bortles is going to target him. There's been some good whispers out of there, and it's it's a crap shoot after you get out of that top four of tight ends. So I thought, why not? I'll put youth and athleticism at number five.
2: The only reason why he's even in my top seven uh, is because the position stinks this year. It really does... It could improve if some of these younger guys like Austin Safarian Jenkins uh, or or someone like a Josh Hill comes out and makes an impact. But Julius Thomas's strength from a fantasy standpoint in Denver was the fact that he was a red zone machine. 24 touchdowns in just 27 games. He might not score 24 touchdowns the rest of his career in Jacksonville because they don't get into the red zone. They had one of the worst offenses in the league last year. Yes, it should improve with Blake Bortles having a year of experience under his belt with the presence of Allen Robinson, who will be healthy and a good sleeper. With TJ Yeldon back, the offensive line still has question marks, but red zone opportunities are going to be few and far between compared to what he saw in Denver. That's why he's still a tight end one, but he's not going to produce huge numbers. Can I see him catching 65 passes like he did uh, in Denver last year? Sure. 700 yards, somewhere in that area? Sure. 12 touchdowns. Heck to the no, no. I mean six. I think is his ceiling in Jacksonville this year. Heck to the no. Wow, this is a family podcast. Fabs. Let's watch. Let's watch the language. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Middle sticks. Yes, exactly.
1: Um, (laughs) You know. So yeah, I think we're kind of all agreed on that. I'm looking at some other tight end names. Zach Ertz. That's
2: the guy you got to watch out for, Marcus. Zach Ertz.
3: Well, we've been we've been pumping Harmon on this podcast. Why don't we throw a bone to uh, the franchise who wrote a great low cost tight ends he piece you can read on NFL.com slash fantasy? And true. some of those names were Vernon Davis, Dele yes. Walker, who well, and I, I I like Tyler Vernon Eifer. Davis.
1: I like Vernon Davis to bounce back.
3: I so do, do I. Like Tyler I think my favorite of those is actually Tyler Eifert, though.
2: Yeah, no, Although I like as, Davis.
3: As we said, Andy Dalton's the drunk guy piloting the barsicle He's supposed to be the, <laughs> he's supposed to be the sober one, but uh, I like Eifert. He, you know, I think the draft him in the first or second round. He he got dogged by that injury. He lost like his entire season. But he's athletic. He's going to uh, Dalton's going to need another safety valve like that, and I think he could put up big numbers in that offense.
1: Uh, we also asked the question earlier whether or not this is the year for C.J. Spiller. Is this the year
2: for Ladarius Green? huh silence is is Gates suspended all year uh no no just four right yes four so yeah I I just you know again it's about the trends and the trend has been the guy is amazing he's athletic he's fast he ran a better 40 than Antonio Brown I mean he's an amazing athlete and sometimes that transcends and, and, and translates into being a great player and sometimes it doesn't but The four games that we will see him featured in the offense is going to tell a whole heck of a lot of what his value is going to be the rest of the year. But regardless, at best, in a best-case scenario, he's sharing targets with Gates when he comes back. It's not a featured role. It's not like we're talking about Jason Witten, who you know is going to see targets in Dallas, even though Gavin Escobar might see a few, it's not like, yes, the- <laughs> of course I did, yeah, I saw our, our friend Molly Karam on ESPN, I shed a tear because, you know, she's, uh, she's our pal, and good luck to her now with ESPN, but He's not going to be a guy who, after the Chargers' fourth game, is guaranteed to see those targets. In fact, I would think he's guaranteed to lose them when Skates comes back. Yeah,
1: no, you're right. I mean, you, you still have Malcolm Floyd. You have Keenan Allen, who I think bounces back this year as well. So there are a lot more targets or uh, a lot more guys to to take some of those targets. So, you know, who's
3: somebody want to throw it not to sleep on. I think I have them the highest though is Michael Rivera, the tight end in Oakland who David Carr started building a rapport with. You're making a face no, right I'm now, No, I'm making a face me. because
1: no, it's not and it's not about you and it's not even about Michael Rivera. This <laughs> is about not my about own me. this is like I I'm kind of dealing with my own stuff right now is that I've like the last 2 years I've jumped on board with Raiders tight ends and I've been burned. I mean, I was driving the Brandon Myers, Myers. bust oh, years yes. ago. I was all about Brandon Myers, and that didn't quite work out. Even last year, I was trying to get on board with Michael Rivera. I even thought about watching Glee. I didn't, but I thought <laughs> about it. Um, I just – he might be. might you might be right. He might. I don't just Don't you remember my sad story with Frank Gore where yeah, I let him I burn me and I stopped and drafting him? I just I've been I've been hurt too many times. I can't I just don't want to be hurt. You had Ricky again. Dudley, didn't you? No, I did not have Ricky Dudley. Okay. I didn't buy into that, one. I? But... but I've just been hurt by Raiders' tight ends too much in the last couple of years. If you're gonna
3: scoop up somebody late or maybe you want to draft like a, a young guy and an Antonio Gates to bank on his production when he comes back, Michael Rivera could be that guy. There was a stretch last year. I forget the weeks. I apologize. I should have been more prepared for this podcast. However, there was a stretch of like four or five weeks where Michael Rivera was in like the top two or three fantasy tight ends and like PPR and targets and stuff like that. So he could have some sneaky, sneaky sleeper value.
1: I know. Like, I feel like this is like every year. Oh, Marcus, come every, back. This is like all those years like in I'm high school dying. and college when I picked Kansas to win the NC2A tournament. They always lose in the first round.
2: <laughs> no, like I just. He had a 3 stretch where he went 783, 838 and 2, 664 and 1, pretty good. Then he went for seven hundred and nine and 1. And then in week fifteen, how do you catch seven passes and finish with thirty nine yards,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and not have Alex Smith as your quarterback?
2: Um, that that that's hard to do. Seven fair. for thirty nine.
1: See, like, damn it, I'm going to. But the thing is that Michael Rivera. The thing yeah, is that will. when he
2: was bad, he gave you zip. So uh,
3: well, so did a lot of the tight ends. Oh, that's but like that's what's going to happen this caught. year.
2: You're unless you have one of the five top tight ends. Maybe Zach Ertz uh, moves into that top six there. You're going to be playing the matchups a lot of time yeah. with these tight ends. That's why you wait to draft them.
1: Man, Real, um, I just know it's going to happen. It'll be like round 12 of one of my dreams. You're going to draft him Real quick, since
3: you mentioned Alex Smith again, I was digging this up throughout the podcast. He has never had a 1,000-yard receiver nope. yeah. he has thrown to. No, it's kind of hard when you have to do all the work. Only one, <laughs> only one year was there a 1,000-yard receiver while he was a quarterback, and that was the year he only played half the year. And it was Michael Crabtree. Uh, so Michael another reason Crabtree. to hate on Jerry Macklin.
1: Sorry, Macklin, you're a great player, but. It's just not going to work out. Yeah, it's not, not me, it's out. you. Uh, so that will pretty much do it for us. We want to give a shout-out to James Coe. Hopefully you are recuperating well and you're back here in this chair. It's a little bit harder than it looks, James. So we will see you again. You can find us online NFL.com slash fantasy. Hit up the draft kit. Draft live now for Alex Galhar, Michael Fabiano, Marcus Grant. We'll see you.